Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Arsenal podcast. I am Regan McSweeney, and this is Matt Phillips. Say hi, Matt. Evening, buddy. Evening. You always, you always leave me hanging there. You always give me that two seconds of, of, of worry that you're not going to say hi. No, um, yeah. How are you doing, Matt? You good? All good, man. All good. Excellent, excellent. And uh, we've got a guest today. Alex Yule is joining us to talk about Benfica versus Arsenal. Alex, how are you doing? Evening, chaps. Not too bad, thank you. End of a long week. Uh, looking forward to the weekend. Exactly. Let's let's hope. Well, Arsenal Arsenal did their best to make the week a little longer last night, as um, we always do. Exactly, exactly. So uh, we're going to talk about the Benfica Arsenal game today. Uh, we'll touch a tiny bit on the Man City game on Sunday. Uh, obviously, it's you know the games are coming thick and fast now. There's only so much we can cover. Uh, I've got a hot topic question for the guys, and then Matt's going to interview Alex and find out what being an Arsenal fan means to him. Um, so, guys, let's get stuck in. Uh, Benfica won Arsenal won last night. Bit of a missed opportunity. Let's let's start from the beginning. First half, uh, Matt. Tell me tell me what you thought when that team sheet came out, and uh, and then tell me what you thought thought of our of our start to the game. Well, we did our predictions for the lineup um, in the last episode, and it was pretty much spot on for what for what we said. Apart from, I, I was convinced Lacazette was going to start. I did think. Um, even though Bamiyan got his hat trick against Leeds, I did think we'd go with a different striker. I didn't see a Bamiyang starting, but obviously when I saw him starting, I thought, wow, Arteta's really I mean it was a strong lineup anyway, but to to go with your top goal scorer obviously sends sends confidence through the players. And then um, no, I thought the team we the team we put out should have performed better or should have done better than the result reflected. Um think there were a few tired players in there and that showed towards the end of the second half. Um, but yeah, I mean, when the team sheet came out, I was pretty confident. Um, the thing I was really worried about was maybe having lots of changes and losing that kind of um, confidence we had from Leeds because we had a really good first half, well, first 60 minutes against Leeds. Um, and I was worried that if we changed it too much, then we would lose that. But the funny thing is, is actually that was the first time in two and a half years that we've gone unchanged in a match. And I couldn't believe that when I heard it. It was um, really weird hearing that. Yeah. It's probably one of the only situations where you can think of us naming an unchanged team where you kind of think, well, we probably should have changed a little bit. Um, so, yeah, Matt, you, you predicted that lineup pretty well Thursday. You thought Lacazette should start. I I knew Aubameyang would start, but I also felt like Lacazette should start. Um, agree. Alex, Team sheet comes out, you know, what are you thinking? Are you thinking that we're going to go on and, and you know, batter Benfica? Or you think it's going to be a tight game? I mean, what went through your head there? I think I think one of the things I was quite enjoyed about when I saw that team lineup was was actually, I think we're in a place now where seven or eight of our of our first 11 picks itself. Uh, and you only got debates pretty much around one of the centre-back positions, probably who, who goes next to, to Xhaka based on injuries. And, and then and then you might argue up front and, and one of those three positions. But most of those players pick themselves. So when I saw the team sheet, I thought that's probably the best we've got available with injuries permitting. Um, I, one thing I was worried about, which, which you know, I think we've all been worried about and, and touched on before is, is um, you know, Arteta overthinking a European tie. He, he he was quite early on in his managerial career with us when we had Olympiacos last year. I did feel like that was overthought, and we you know obviously went out in awful circumstances at home. But it's it, he 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 didn't overthink last night. He played he played his best players, and I, I was concerned before the lineup that El Nenny would have probably started for a bit more cover. You know, possibly possibly I was I was afraid he was going to start Will I Um, but he didn't. 
but you know he, he put our best best team out and overall um you know pre-match you'd say one all away from home sometimes difficult away tie would take it i think the chances during the game last night and how how, how well we played at times um I'm actually really frustrated with the one all. I think that tie could have been dead and buried, and we we could be we could be thinking about the next round already. But I, I, unfortunately, we've got another tough tie at home. I say home in Athens next Thursday, and um, I'm 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 not I'm not worried. I think we'll beat them, uh, but it's just it's 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 frustrating that it wasn't put to bed last night. Yeah, I'd agree 100 percent there. Uh, so so let's let's attack this chronologically. Could you touch on it? You touched on a few great points there. Um, so we started, we started quite well, you know, we, we, we opened them up a, a, a fair few times. There was a lot of offsides, a lot of offsides for us last night. And I don't think that was because Benfica were playing an offside trap. I think it was because our, I, I mentioned this to you in, in a message last night, Matt, and I was, and I was worried that, you know, my, I couldn't really explain what my thinking because we, we, we play a game where a lot of our players, let's say pass A, is in front of them and pass A will get Nicolas Pepe one-on-one with the centre-back straight away, right? Or one-on-one with the full-back straight away. But instead of just playing pass A, we play pass B, who plays it back, and then we play pass A. We're not direct enough. We're playing a lot of one-twos just to then play a pass that was on three or four touches ago. Um, and I think that was really frustrating players like Aubameyang. It definitely was frustrating Saka last night. Um, uh, Bellerin got in, a f- in behind a few times. It was little flashes of great one-twos between him and Saka last night. And you just think, just do that every time. We don't need a third man every time. We don't need Sabios to pass it back and then play the pass. It's just telegraph. Um, and so I, I thought we started really well. A lot of offsides. Uh, Benfica didn't like scoring at all. At all. I thought they were quite lethargic. I thought they were quite gappy between the midfield and, and their attack. There was a big disconnect there. Um Matt, what did what did you see from that first half? You know, am I, am I off here? Or are you agreeing? No, I agree. I think the the tempo was just what, exactly what you said about the um, about the not playing fast football. When you look at the, I know we're talking about European football here, so it's a little bit different a European game, not Premier League. But when you look at the last two teams who've been really successful in the Premier League, who've got, you know, they've accumulated almost hundred points every single season for the last three seasons. How do they play? They play direct. I mean, I mean, Liverpool more so than Man City. Liverpool play direct football. It's it's zipped into the forwards. It's kind of like it's straight into them. There's none of this one touch. Uh, I mean, we're talking not even one touch. There's none of this three touches, four touches, and then play a short pass. That is not tolerated in those systems. And I just the one thing I do worry about with Arteta is that we're still seeing this slow, kind of timid football at times, and we're 18 months in and uh, no 14 15 months in I'm just worried that we're still seeing that this kind of long into his into his reign and seeing that kind of it was really slow in the first half yesterday I, d- I didn't enjoy watching that first half um but yeah we had the best chance of the half and I cannot get through my head how Aubameyang has missed that chance I can't He's still off the he's you, still off the boil, isn't he? I mean, it's it's yeah. He, he, even though he got that hat trick on Sunday, it just it didn't even feel like he was even 
trying really it just looked like it was he was it was clicking for him but yeah last night it just it seemed to look like the Aubameyang we've seen for the rest of the season yeah he's 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 dragging his shots he's missing chances that he, he just it wouldn't he doesn't even think about and I, I don't know what's you know there's obviously some stuff that's gone on in his personal life etc but it's um it's he's not as reliable as he was and it's it's concerning me a bit because we had we had a lot of chances last night in an away away tie in Europe I mean I mean, Benfica were absolutely garbage. They they, 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 they were really awful. bad. I mean, they they were they were difficult at times. But you know, you look at their lineup, and I saw sort of Otamendi, Vertonghen, Tarat. It was a it was a proper who's who of Premier League rejects, and it just it had was a 2014 all... Premier League lineup. <laughs> yeah, it was. And all the hallmarks of a team. I just thought we're gonna we're gonna lose one 0 here. And when that penalty went in, and that's one of the saving graces I think of last night was. Scoring so quickly after they did because you know if it had gone 10-15 minutes longer we get a tendency to die and get weaker in games that we're losing one nil. We lose we lose a lot of um, a lot of momentum. We lose a lot of um, kind of composure as well. Composure and get you know we start panicking. So the fact we score within two or three minutes after after their goal was was massively important. I, I after that I thought we'd go on and bat them three or four one, but um, alas not. Yeah, uh, and I think. You know, you've pretty much summed up the first half there and then straight into the second half. We don't really need to talk too much about the penalty. It was a clear penalty. Um, but the response was great. And and the players seemed to react for five or ten minutes again. And I think you're, you're spot on, Alex, there, um, with us fading. I read a stat earlier, and I'm not sure how correct it is. Um, I don't necessarily fact-check my Twitter stats, but then I also prefix it with, I'm not sure how right it is. Who, who was the Twitter account from? That normally says a lot about it. <laughs> oh, at Rolf, at Rolf Harris. Um, <laughs> it Mr. DTAFC. But I think it was we we've not scored past the 75th minute this season. Is that correct? Really? correct? Wow. Wow. Yeah, that so. sounds right to me. I'm trying to think about it, but I can't remember scoring late goals. That's 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 incredible. Wow. Oh, the only one I can think of, um, Eddie and Ketia against West Ham. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that was quite late, wasn't it? That's the only so, one I can think of. I don't think it's a physicality thing. With these players, because it's a mentality thing. again. They, yeah. It's mentality. They're, they're deciding that they don't want to go and win the game. The subs came way too late. Again, there are there are real glaring issues with the substitutes here. And then, um, like Martinelli and Pepe, the right subs to make ten minutes too late. Um, yeah. And it's and it's really worrying that the game management because. I mean, I see people say there was a big disconnect last night about whether or not Ceballos had a good game. And I think Ceballos had a good game in terms of his passing was great. The amount of times he was dispossessed for trying to nutmeg people or dribbling way more than he needed to was appalling. The amount of hospital balls that were coming between the centre-backs out to players like Hector Bellerin and things like that were appalling. Um, it's just, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of dawdlers in that team. We've got players like Smith-Rowe, Erdegaard, Aubameyang, and Saka, the minute they get the ball, they look to do something with it. When that ball is played back to David Luiz and he takes four touches and then does that thing where he like chops it onto the outside of his foot to spray mm. a 40-yarder that goes right out of play. I, I, and then when it goes out of play, he holds his hand up at the player who's not controlled it properly and says, why haven't you controlled that? Well, because you've just attempted to lump a ball at me. How am I supposed to control it? I'm, it makes me want to turn my taddy off because Gabriel, it's creeping into Gabriel's game a bit now. It didn't when yeah. he first joined. He did not want the ball at the start of his Arsenal career. And now he's he's d- doing the Louise a lot. Um, desperate to have it. Absolutely yeah, desperate to have it. I think I think the, 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 the point about um, the point about the sort of, 
I think Arteta has, has a little bit spent almost a bit too much time under Guardiola for, for the right reasons, but also I think the wrong reasons too, in that in that he try he overthinks absolutely everything. He wants to know exactly he wants a game plan for every blade of grass on the pitch. He wants a game plan, a game plan for every minute of every game. And I think because of it, you know, he, he plays out that game in his head a hundred times and 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 you know, in his head 75% of the times. Arsenal will get an away goal and he'll be happy with one all and we'll see out the last 15 minutes because we don't want to lose the game 2-1. He, he's played this game. He's played- so he's Jaws from Dream Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, it's exactly. He's, 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 no, I'll tell you who he is. He's Michael Schofield from Prison Break. He's, he's, he's definitely got papers. He's meticulously the planned the route out. Yes. <laughs> he's planned the route out. He's planned the way out of defence just like Schofield did out of Fox River. That's exactly what it is. He definitely prints Google, Google Maps for the airport he, on the way to the airport. But he, um, he's got the pitch tattooed on his back. <laughs> got the whole the whole irrigation system under that Olymp- Stadio Olimpio goes tattooed under his arms and his back and everything last night. He does. That's why some of the players probably look so confused all the time. I mean, you've got the the David Luiz looks constantly perplexed. So may, maybe it's all the um all all the, all the tattoo gazing he's doing pre match. Mm. Yeah, I want to say one thing about that um about the substitution. Someone mentioned substitutions and. I cannot understand for the life of me why we've not brought Lacazette on for 15 minutes. Yeah. I, I, that, for me, is a no-brainer. You, your, your striker, who is, should have scored a goal in the game, has gone off. It's kind of head down, looking like he's out of confidence. Bring the other striker on. Yeah. Martinelli, don't get me wrong, a lot of his Arsenal career, I've wanted to see Martinelli go through the middle, but he's not that, he's not that physical presence up front. He's, he's a... He's a raw talent, isn't he? He's like a raw kind of pace in behind striker. Yeah. They were subs for the point of making a sub last night. Yeah, um, I, I he, he knows. Agree. He knows full well. Um, and, and I'm not starting Arteta slander. I told myself I wouldn't start that until February, and I've given him a stay of execution until the summer, the end of the next transfer window. Um, but they were subs to make a sub last night. Pepe should have started. Uh, I don't get what this uh, unless he's playing tomorrow. Uh, oh, sorry, on Sunday, why he didn't start is, is beyond me. And then sticking Martinelli up front is just it, it's just an also round substitution because he's never he's never really played up front for us unless it's been yeah. against the dead rubber. It's always been off the left, same position that Aubameyang usually takes up and cut inside. Um, and it, it felt at times last night like a training game. There are still a lot of passengers in this team, and I feel like we're going to be saying this for a long time. Yeah. that dawdle on the ball that shouldn't be there. But the question is asked now, if we know that these players are there, then the manager knows these players are there. And if we're seeing this week in, week out, why aren't we doing anything to fix it? Because yeah. Callum Chambers is fit now. I'm not saying he's the answer, but I'd rather watch young, younger players that we're going to get a few more years out of if we need them. Even Callum Chambers, he must be in his mid mid to late 20s by now, mustn't he? He's been here about seven years. I think he's like 25, years. 26. I think he's yeah. like 25, 26. And I mean, like that, we've got this habit of our, as Arsenal fans to go, oh yeah, but we need to try him. And we, we did it with Holding it, it, last season when, when Louise and... Who was Louise's partner? From, oh, Socrates. Louise and Socrates or Louise and whoever he was with last season, we went, oh, but he'd play better with Holding. And it was always like a, with Arsenal fans, it's always a, oh, he'll be better, he'll be better. But I don't think the, the reserves are better. I don't think the people we've got on the bench are better. No, and I do unless you try them. You don't, well, the thing is you don't, but you know, I think you're right as well. I, 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 I think there is a crop of players that are good enough, uh, younger players, and they are slowly but surely creeping into the side. The Smith throws the Sackers, Martinelli on the fringe. 
um you know but but the others you know i think i think we have we have been guilty of over over trying some of these players and just over persisting with players I, you know I, bellerin for me you know i've i'm one of the most vocal critics of him he has fallen so far off a cliff from where he was five six years ago when he first broke into yeah. the team he's he, he i think he is the single most detrimental player in our in our squad um, in our in our match day, you know the, the first eleven some games, he honestly is just every single pass is backwards every single time, and it's it's a small thing, and I, I've I've said about it before, and actually it's something that my dad has been has banged on from a young age to me and my brother playing playing a game, and and I sort of make points of it as well. We're always taught, and I'm sure a lot of pro teams are taught when you're passing the ball to someone, pass two three yards in front of them, right, and you know it basically keeps the momentum. You pass it in front of them, and the, it goes forward. You watch Man City. Bayern Munich, some of the best teams in Europe, they all do it. The ball, the ball lands on a player's foot two or three yards in front of him and creates momentum. First touch carries them. Bellerin yeah. does the opposite. Every pass is two yards behind the player. They take three or four touches just to get control of it. And then they're facing backwards and the momentum's gone. And, and it's, you know, once in isolation, it's not noticeable. But over the course of a game, it's so much wasted time, so much wasted momentum. And, you know, that sort of triangle of Louise, him and Ceballos, are the worst offenders for it. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think the biggest thing we've got to do this summer is buy a, a good right back because the the wonders it will do for this system that we play just to have someone... Comp- and I mean, loaning Maitland-Niles out to West Brom, I mean, he's con- consistently proved himself um, whenever whichever position he was kind of shoved in. He, he never really performed badly. I think there was one really dodgy performance this year against the Palace. Yeah, but he'd been left out. This is the thing. It's the same thing with same thing with Pepe. And I'm really sorry to cut you off, Matt. We get we get these players that uh, get a run of games because somebody's injured, or in most cases, somebody's been sent off for being fucking stupid. We get these players that then come in, play really well, and the minute the fucking repeat offender is available again, they're taken straight out of the team. Then they'll get one look in in like the Europa League or in a Premier League game because of like an injury or a knock, and not play well. Players need to be playing every week to play well. That's how they keep sharp. That's how they keep fit. That's how they. Keep, there's no better training for a match than a match. Mm. And yeah. having having players like uh, uh, Alex, sorry, you're you're completely spot on with uh, Bellerin, Louise, and Sabios. I don't know what we're going to do because you can't replace three, four players in the summer. We're right. We're going to have a lot of issues in the next few transfer windows because we've got Aubameyang who will start to age out. We then got Lacazette who's out of contract in the summer. Fullbacks, Hector Bellerin, if we're looking to replace him, fullback is going to be the next big money position. Like centre backs were a few years ago because they were scarce. Fullbacks are now scarce. Yeah. You can't, there's not going to be great fullbacks on the market. We've been very lucky getting Kieran Tierney and we need to keep him tied down for as long as we can. But I reckon Bellerin's going to be here for a while because we just won't be able to afford to replace him with, with a full on rebuild. There are players at this club who are average or not as good as academy prospects that we've loaned out and not given a chance to. And it is criminal that they're still here. It's madness from Arteta as well. Not madness from Arteta in, in the, not picking them, but if, from his point of view, the stick that he would have been, he was coming under just before Christmas when we were on that awful run. I mean, playing these kids and he was, he was forced to play them. I know, I know it's, it's, it's sort of, mm. it, it gets some of the, the, the pundits that can't stand Arsenal a little bit. It gives them a little bit of a hard on to say, oh, well, he stumbled, he stumbled on Saka, he stumbled on Smith Rowe. He knew they were in the academy, right? He knew he was going to have to play them at some point and he knew, he knew the quality of them, but he did a little bit stumble on Smith Rowe for that Chelsea game. But, the, but these, the, these players are, 
they basically have, rescu- have rescued him a bit. But but also, like, what's there to lose if you if he plays a Joe Willett or Maitland Niles uh, instead of a you know instead of Ceballos and 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 Bellerin, he's going to give himself, I tell you, another six or eight games of, and it's not, a, you know, it's not a lot in football, but it gives him a lot more leeway with fans who, you know, yeah. we're, we're all fickle creatures, really. But when it comes to pr- youth prospects and, you know, guys that have come through our academy, my God, you you know, we, we give them as much time as possible. And, we, you know, Bellerin is a product of that. Look how many years we've given him from the fact that he was basically a youth product. You know, he had two or three years worth of being quality and he's faded off and, you know, that's unfortunate, but it just, it would, it would buy Arteta so much more time and not, not saying he's got the clocks running on him, but, but like it would buy him so much more time in, you know, in terms of getting the stick that starts to creep in sometimes for repeat offenders, as you know, as you say, the Ceballos is the Bellerins, the Louises that just keep getting given the shirt for, for big, for big ties. Um, what's, what's, what's worrying as well. Um, is that imagine if we were? Do you remember Bellerin's debut? Not uh, West Brom. That was some appearance in the League Cup. Dortmund away. He was appalling. Can you imagine if we judged him on that one game and then lost yeah. out on the player he was for the two seasons afterwards? Because he was electric back then. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if it's injuries or a lot of a lot of people say it's his diet. I don't buy into that. It could be anything. Um, but why aren't we really just? Why is it? This was the perfect opportunity. I'm really sorry to go off on a tangent, but I rewatched the 89 documentary recently, right? And this is going to sound like the most Brexit your dad take. <laughs> um, they talk in that documentary about how George Graham inherited an Arsenal squad that was full of players on a lot of money that didn't offer much. And, uh, you know, they just would be in there to say they played for Arsenal. He got rid of all of them, went out and bought younger, more hungrier, cheaper talent and then brought academy players through. So you, you're looking at your Paul Davises, Michael Thomas, David Rowcastle's coming into the team, supplements that with like Nigel Winterburn, Lee Dixon, goes out and buys younger, hungrier talent that want to do well. This season was the perfect opportunity for Arteta to do that. Yeah, nothing he to could lose. have said. He could have, I'd even go as far as saying, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad we kept Aubameyang, but imagine if Aubameyang turned around and said, oh, 350 grand is not enough for me. All right, go, bye, see you later. We don't want you because you're not worth that much at 30. Just rebuild, send a statement, go to the rest of the league and say, all right, we're going to be, we're going to be hurt for the next 12 months. But these are all Arsenal boys that are playing. These all want to play for Arsenal. They're going to play well. I would have endured a season of us finishing 10th if it meant that Joe Willett, Maitland-Niles, Smith-Rowe, Saka were playing every week. Balogun, even Balogun, the whole thing that's going on with his contract at the moment, like give this guy a chance, like just... And I'm not saying put him in the league and play him for 10 games in a row. That's not what I'm saying. But the guy doesn't even get a shout as a sub in the Europa League. We didn't bring Lacazette on last mm. night. What's stopping us bringing them on? Yeah. I'll tell you, we did bring on William and Elneny for two minutes. Oh, yeah. They, literally, they, were, they were literally paid last night for two minutes of football. They were paid appearance bonuses. William has just earned 25 grand to be on a pitch for 120 seconds. Mm. It's, it's a racket. The appearance, a the appearance racket. fee of that guy will never sit right with me. And And... It's actually more of an insult to get his appearance fee as a sub. We might as well make him work the 90 minutes for it and still be shit rather than making him be shit for two minutes. A bit like giving a, a 5p tip to a waiter, isn't it? It's, all, it just, just, it's almost mm. insulting. Just say it at home, yeah. mate. Just don't bother. Don't bother coming. Let's move on to the positive. Um, and the only positive, uh, Saka's goal was, was great. Great link-up play again. Um we had, a, we had a fair bit of joy when we actually decided to fizz the ball in quickly. Um, the one-twos and, and the breakthroughs there were great. Um, 
And I think it's a lot of pressure on his shoulders at the moment to be our best player. And it's dangerous because one injury or you know one stress injury or too much game time could, could ruin our season now more than it already is. But he was he was excellent again. He's so good. Yeah, so, so good. I mean that that goal again. He's always the one thing about him is he's always in the right place. He's obviously a cracking footballer. He's making the right runs, but it's 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 he was class again. He's always there. He's he's he for us is becoming one of those players that that basically make sure they well for one reason or another other than their quality they literally are part of every single goal that's scored for your club. Mm. Uh, be it in the in the build up play, the actual assist or, or or scoring it. He is he is the, he is fast becoming for us. And I'm trying to think of a, of a good comparison, but you know, a, a, not quite a Bruno Fernandes at United, but say a James Madison when he was at his peak for, for, for Leicester. Nothing happens good in that team without going through him at some point. And there was, there was a time where it was Mesut Ozil for us and you know, every single goal that was scored went through his feet at some point. But, but Saka is fast becoming that player for us. Um, he's brilliant. I, I, honestly, I've got so much time for him. Yeah, same here. I think he's quickly becoming part of that um real elite level English talent that's coming through. You look at like Foden, uh, Greenish is a little bit older. So I always find it a bit weird when that comparison's thrown about with people saying like Greenish or Foden, because Greenish is like 25 and Foden's 20, but kind of that, that real core English talent that's coming through now. Um, and talk like looking ahead to the Euros, that Saka has to be playing in the Euros. And even though it'll probably be a detriment to us the next season, because he'll be absolutely knackered after probably playing a 50 game season this season and then playing hopefully seven or eight games in the tournament. Um, I mean, he has to be in that in that England lineup. I don't know whether it would be at left wing back. I don't know whether it would be in a winger, winger position. England like to play a, quite a different way to how we're used to seeing Saka used. But um, I mean, he's ridiculously good. And it's actually been a while since Arsenal have had one of those players who the league kind of looks at objectively and thinks, wow, yeah. And kind of without that bias of, oh, it's Arsenal, we're going to hate him. I was talking last week about people saying Saka dived for that uh, Leeds penalty. But apart from a few idiots on Twitter who aren't real fans anyway, I don't think Saka would be in anyone's mind as being one of those horrible players or anything like that. I, I think he's just a bit like Foden, really. I can't think of a single person who dislike Phil Foden, really. You just get those kind of players who people just objectively like yeah yeah but objectively like but find but find reasons to find reasons to try and take down and and you know a, a Saka is for you know if 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 he if he's if he's getting plaudits from other 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 fans fantastic if he's winding them up to the point of they have to accuse him of diving or or, or, or being a bit of a cheat then do you know what it's fine by me because he's because he's because he's rattling them is this yeah that's the, the same way I you know as as a sort of teenager in the in the mid 2000s when Arsenal were you know losing what won the Invincibles uh, in 2004 but then when Chelsea were coming through I detested Frank Lampard like you wouldn't believe I hated yeah. him but I, I really loved him as a footballer I, I used to watch him he is fantastic he's such a good footballer he's always in the right place he knows where the net is you can see he works hard at his game but I hated him and I really didn't like him I thought well, how, can we, how can you get at him and he you know He's a he's a cheat. He's a nasty, you know. He's a nasty so and so that would 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 you know pinch you pinch you at corners and stuff. But he, he he in not liking him, it was like sign that yeah he's he's a he's a bloody good footballer. The same way you know Bruno Fernandez at United, I, I really really detest him because he's so bloody good. Um, yeah. And and if we've got the same for Saka, then then you know suits me. 
Um, just just on the point of Frank Lampard, Alex Lampard or Gerard? As a player, Gerard for me, I'd rather have Gerard in my team. As a manager, probably Gerard as well. Actually, it's got to be Lampard for me. Yeah, Lampard. I mean, I don't think you can even compare the managerial jobs because Frank Lampard went into the most brutal gig in football. Period. There's no harder job to go into as a manager, and Frank uh, and Steven Gerrard kind of went somewhere where you've lost the league nine seasons in a row. You can't really fail. You can't. You can't. You can't fail. No, you're right. I tell you what, though, it probably comes down to who who made me more upset as 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 a as a kid. Uh, and I'd probably say it was Frank Lampard made me more upset. So, so CVG wins it for me. He made me, he probably made he probably brought tears to my eyes slightly less. Albeit he did sometimes cause me cause me grief. But I'd say Lampard upset me more occasions as a child. Gerard didn't really have that good of a record against us, did he? No, but he was he was usually in the centre of stuff when whenever yeah. Liverpool did beat us. There was always some absolute jobs worth who would score against us for Liverpool. Like Peter, there was that um, Peter Crouch hat trick. Come on, there's nothing worse than that. Neil Mellor. Mella, yeah, Mella. Mella. Yeah, there was always just some absolute nothing who scored against us and it made their Liverpool career. Him and Gerald had the same hairdresser. <laughs> they did. the same everything. Probably the same wife. They, he, um, for, 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 for years, I used, and that's probably still to this day, use, use what I call the Neil Miller effect on Arsenal because it always used to be a player that was in their first, first game ever for the club. Either that, yeah. either that or... The, the, in their first game or the first debut or whatever or a player that hasn't scored for 79 matches uh, and the commentator says it one minute in it's like oh yeah the Neil Matter he's scoring today definitely yeah like Neil, Ben Teke yeah. scored against us didn't he last season oh, yes. yeah <laughs> I, it's just all it's all the time there is a curse on this club I swear to god it's it's so evident that it's going to happen as well like there was another one it wasn't Ben Teke last season it was about two or three seasons ago I think it was Shane Long. He was in his worst oh, period yeah. of his career. I mean, Shane Long always scores against us anyway. But it was that one, you know, where he came round Mustafi at the near post and he just sort of prodded it in. There's yeah. so many of them with Mustafi. Which one? Oh, well, yeah, true. Oh, yeah, that one. I, I, know, I, know, I, know, I know the one you're talking about, though. It was Mustafi the, shit defending well. number 230, I think it was, of that season. And he just... Exhibit A. I remember yeah. it being the most innocuous ball in as well. Like you just all he had to do is just run a tiny bit further and it's out. And he just oh don't, I'm so glad he's gone. Jesus Christ. I completely I had a feeling just until you said his name, I was like, Oh, he must still play for the club. I've got a big I've got a good feeling as well, seeing Schalke bottom of the Bundesliga with him and Kolasinac rotting out of that defence. <laughs> Stinking the place out. Just re- remembering that Mustafi doesn't play for us anymore, just giving me the biggest direction. <laughs> It's honestly like the worst player we must have signed through that stat DNA bollocks. Oh my god, that that there was there was a few candidates, but he he's up there. That that Benfica side last night, Otamendi Vertonghen, and the third centre back, someone I did I must admit I didn't know Verissimo. He's Mustafi. brand new. That was his debut. Mustafi. Oh, surprised he didn't score. Mustafi would have been walked. He would have walked into that team of just like Premier League rejects. Um, yeah. Premier League rejects FC. Oh my god. There was that chance where we went clear through on goal because Nicholas Mendy tried to bicycle kick a simple header away. Mm. And their keeper had to come scrambling out. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did. I thought he was going to miss it as well. I, I was convinced I he, was gonna, well. he was going to get their last, but he got there first, unfortunately. Yes. Let's, um, let's go We've on gone to off another on a big tangent positive. There. Oh, great chat, though. Let's go on to another positive and one that I'm glad to talk about. Um, it's probably because it's uh, foreign referees. 
I thought the referee had a great game last night. Uh, I felt he was hamstrung a bit by VAR and the fact us at home didn't see the replays for what they were checking. Mm. One positive I will yeah, say that's that, wrong, though, that is. The, the VAR check that he was carrying out on our goal, or Bamiyang standing next to him, Watch the re- if you go back and watch that, the referee the whole time is talking to Aubameyang. Talking to him, telling him what's He's happening. talking, saying they're checking this, they're, oh, give me a second, they're checking. What? He was excellent last night. I don't think he pulled out a single card, did he? It was so refreshing to have a referee that just didn't... He did no interest in being the headline last night. He's like, this game is shit enough as it is. I have no, I have no place on the back page of the Sunday sport. <laughs> I don't want... You don't want to be here. Let's just do this 90 minutes. Yeah. Why are we in Rome? You know, he was probably looking forward to a nice little trip to Portugal, but um, yeah, yeah. Bit, bit of a suntan in the, on the day after. But no, I, t- I'm, I agree. On the whole, I mean, look, the penalty they got, as a biased Arsenal fan, of course, literally the, when I saw that penalty, I watched it three times on replays. I thought, no, we've been done. We've been done again here. And even 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 at the end of the game, I, I still you know listen to the absolute codswallop from the clowns in the studio, Martin Keown and 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 Glenn Hoddle. Love them both as footballers, pundits. Just n- just yeah. not at all. And yeah, the thing yeah. is, I, I watched it a few times, and I've, I've had a I've had a chance to think about it again today. But I mean, the, the, the cliches and just the well, the penalty. That's just how it is now. The, the, the problem is because it's against Arsenal, they just it just gets shrugged off stuff like that. I mean, I, I think penalties like that are still soft. But I've got I've got a view in my head of handballs from five ten years ago when I was playing a lot more frequently than I am now, and. If that handball goes against me in a game, I'm I'm livid all weekend. Whereas you watch it now, and and as as kind of Martin Keown as it is, that's how it is now. I, I sort of unfortunately that is how it is, and I've come to look at it again today. And I thought, okay, they are given, and if that was the other way around, I would I would be I would be peeved. It's not gone for us, but it's it's just you know it was was refreshing to have a referee that had had control over a game. Was not not about him. And you know, we'll, we'll be this Sunday. We will have Mike Dean or whoever. I don't know who we've got. Anthony Taylor or whoever it will be on Sunday. I'm, I'm literally trying. I'm 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 trying to look it up now. We'll be back to uh, we'll be back to you know, it's all about me. Probably dodgy decision. I mean, look, Matt, you said uh, you said earlier on, you know, just let's get let's just prepare ourselves for the three uh, nil on Sunday. I actually yeah. think I think she it's going to be a lot closer, and it probably will be a fucking VR VAR decision. Or something. Yeah, it's gonna, or it's gonna like deflect in off Phil Foden's ass or something like that. It will be yeah. one of those moments. I don't think we'll get battered. I, I don't. Um, City have been on an incredible run, but obviously, it, I sound a bit like Martin Keown or Glenn Hoddle here throwing out a cliche. But it's got to come to an end at some time, and I'd love to be the team to end it because, to be honest, out of all the other evils in the Premier League, I would much rather see Man City lift it because I'm just used to it now. I'm used to seeing City win the league. It hurts me a lot less than seeing United, Liverpool, Chelsea win it. So, you know, it's going to happen. And they're now 10 points clear. No, 13 points clear even. So yeah. they're not, you know, they're not going to lose it from here. So I'd just love to beat them. Yeah. We have got we have got Mossy on Sunday and his assistants oh, sound, his assistants sound like uh, they formed some sort of synth band in the 70s or 80s. So we've got Mark Perry and Dan Robertson the fourth official, Andy Mayley, uh, bar Peter Banks, and assistant bar Timothy Wood. I reckon Timothy Wood is a drummer. Andy Mayley's on keyboards. Yeah. Mark Perry and Don Robethan have a secret relationship they're not telling anyone about. Guitar vocals, and bass, respectively. Vocals. I mean, at this point, they're just making people up. These are football manager regions. Oh, 100%. <laughs> these aren't real people. We're, we're, we've been sold a dream here that, that these are real, like, qualified officials. They're not. They're, they're made-up people. 
Oh, 100%. Because where have they, where did the increase in hiring competent officials come from to supplement all the VAR appointments? Did they nick them from the championship? Did they nick them from League One? And then in, in turn, where is the pipeline? I tell you what, while we're on the subject of this, I want to talk about something because I, I got into, you know, when you're in bed and you're watching a YouTube video um, and you end up six miles below where you're meant to be going and you end up on some weird, down some weird rabbit hole where you're suddenly watching something you had no idea even existed. I found a video clip. Um, so I was away earlier in the year for the Everton Liverpool game, the game where Van Dyke broke his leg, um, did his ACL, whatever it was. Um, I was away at the time and I didn't actually watch, so I wasn't watching like the usual BT or Sky analysis or anything like that. And I ended up finding the Jamie Carragher, Graham Souness kind of exchange over whether Jordan Pickford um, should have been in prison over what he did or whatever. But I found um, what Graham Souness said about, um, oh no, sorry. It was actually, it was Dave Jones, the presenter said, why are, the um why are they putting former referees in oh sorry why are they putting current referees in the var in stockley park why not instead of just throwing them out for this um tv career that they seem to love you know your peter waltons your uh dermot gallagher's and people who love their newspaper columns and stuff like that why are these people maybe yeah class why are these people not doing the VAR jobs? Because they're not current officials. And he made a great point about, you know, if you've got a slightly younger official in the VAR room, say someone who's only in their second or third year of doing the Premier League, but then Michael Oliver's on the pitch. So an experienced ref, probably considered the best in England in terms of like reputation, done cup finals, that kind of stuff. Does that young referee feel confident to overrule Michael Oliver on the pitch? Mm. So why not get someone who's completely independent from any kind of bias against other referees, uh, from current referees, sorry, someone completely independent from it? Because at the moment, the, we're all trying to say, oh, VAR should be improved with this, VAR should be improved with that. But no one's really come up with a real solution. And I was think that's one of the only ones I've heard that I thought genuinely would work to get an independent person in Stockley Park to be yeah. doing this. Well, you think, you think how it is, because, because when I get back to Ref HQ, which probably sounds the most ghastly place anyway, but but like the the they all drive vectors. They yeah, <laughs> they all get back there and they're all sort of high fiving each other after another weekend of of just shitting upon Premier League teams. They that they must like. There's obviously some camaraderie between them, and some of them are like any workplace. I'm sure are more matey with each other than others. And you're right. If there's a younger, newer ref, and he, he he's he's overruled a Michael Oliver or overruled a Mike Dean. He, he's going to go into Ref HQ the following week and just and you know come on you've really done me over there haven't you don't do that again yeah. and 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 it is it, I do think it's 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 a little bit compromised because if if you've had an off week and you've fallen out with Michael Oliver over something other than just refereeing games or something you know he's 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 used the last of the milk or something you know it, it's it, you know it hit, and he goes oh you're doing the VAR that Mike Oliver is like fuck he's going to know actually he's going to know we had that falling out. And it, and it just it's a bit compromised. I, I I personally think it is it's 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 all too matey. They're all pally. I imagine they all probably socialise together. It's it's all it's all sort of got each other's backs. And you know if, if something happens on a pitch or vice versa, it's oh I know he's in the studio. So or sorry I know he's back 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 on VAR. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna just leave this one. I think I don't want to sort of offend him too much. Joe, you know what I'd never ever thought of that. I'd never thought of that. I'd always thought of them being corrupt and you know protecting each other to sort of protect the cabal but 
of, I honestly, I, I could, I've just got these thoughts now of like Michael Oliver going into into a changing room with his little fucking his little willy between his legs, tucked away, <laughs> ready to apologise to big old Mike Dean for Who's calling the... him out on being a nonce. He, um, Mike Dean definitely asked to be called sir, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's the chairman. He's he's the chairman, and he's definitely. I wonder who's social secretary in that group, and who, who's who's at the bar first, who's at the bar last. I reckon, definitely I reckon... Michael Oliver. Michael Oliver's so, uh, social secretary. So basically, you wouldn't have a tramline cut into your hair if you weren't. No, you're right. Actually, D- yeah. Mike, Mike, Mike Dean, or he's, he he loves to be called Deany in the pub for sure. He absolutely yeah. a million percent. Or Dino got, got cobwebs on his wallet. Definitely, he's he's not buying it. Oh, percent. 100%. Look, look at the state of him. He, he's malnourished. <laughs> he, hasn't had a good pint, he hasn't had a good pint in years. Um, he, he drinks yeah. the organic scrumpies. He does, yeah. Because he, he, he heard they were good. But you know, do you know what John Moss gets printed on his boots? Mossy. Mossy. Yeah, that's Mossy, never yeah. sat right with me. No, well, it, I think I think I think Regan said it before. It's 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 these are these are guys, um, and we're doing no more referees after this. These these are guys who care so much about their own image and so much about their own PR, um, more so than actually doing the job. More so than the. I wonder how long it will be before yeah. referees start getting transferred to other leagues for fees. <laughs> Mark Clatton, Mark Clattenburg got a yeah. fucking agent. I mean, no. In fact, it's already happened. He got an he got he got an agent, and then but I'm just I'm dreaming of like Mike Dean being transferred to La Liga and holding up the green La Liga referee shirt on some social media post. I'm just thinking of Clats now out of Dubai. He's definitely hanging out with all the old Towie influencers, isn't he? All the Essex lot. Keys and Gray are out in Dubai as well, aren't they? Of course oh, they top are. Shaggers. Top shaggers. <laughs> top shaggers. The two of them, I bet Richard Key sits there showing Andy Gray pictures of his daughter's mates. <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet Richard Keys pokes his daughter's mates on Facebook and Andy Gray pokes his mates' daughters. Allegedly. <laughs> Does Uncle Andy you like? To... Un- Uncle Andy. Right. No more referees. No more referees. Uh, do we think we're going to win the second leg next week? Yes, but it will be a it will be a horrendous sweat. I, I mean, the, the last thing about the game and just generally about the Europa League, I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of two ties, um, two leg ties. I, I think the Europe that's kind of what separates it from other things. This season, my head says they should yeah. be one leg ties because of just everything that's going on. It's ludicrous for flying to Rome to come back to uh, London to fly again to Athens next week. Um, but what I love about Europe is the two leg ties. But the, the, the one thing I used to love years and years ago, and it's, it's dying out of both the Champions League and Europa League, is this sort of the beauty of the away goal. And, you know, scoring away goal, how golden they used to be. You know, I just look at the scores last night and it just, it, the away goals just don't matter in the Europa League. It's like young boys 4-3, Zagreb 3-2, United win 4-0 against Real Sociedad, who are a pretty, pretty decent side, by the way. You know, Tottenham 4-1 away at Augsburg. Uh, Hoffenheim three all. I mean, this, these aren't European ties. This this is this is like League Two football. Rangers four three. I mean, this 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 is this this is not this is not this is not European football. I, I sound sound like a sound like Owen Hardy, but it's it, this is this is this isn't European football. This is this is this is. You're spot on though, and it's something that I've said about the Europa League for ages. I don't think there should be group stages in the Europa League. No. I think the Europa League should be knockout the whole way through. Like the cup um, when this cup used to be, which which was yeah. um, you know just before all of our times, yeah. But I mean, it was just fun. it's just fantastic. It's just the FA FA Cup of of European football, and you you were the best cup team in Europe if you won that because you won the you won the 
the cup in your league the year before. And actually, I think Arsenal would. And the reason we won it in the early 90s, uh, in 94 and came, came close in 95, was because we were a bloody good cup team. And I, I'm concerned at the moment, and have been the last few years, that we are a good cup team. And I think Arteta, particularly, does get the better of managers in these, in these one-off games, hence the FA Cup last year. Uh, and, and that's why I think we probably will go quite deep into this tournament. My, my concern is that, um, you know, look at the, the team still in it. I don't want to play Leicester over two legs. I don't want to play United over two legs. I don't want to play Tottenham. I don't want to play Ajax. I don't want to play Napoli. I, I, I mm. don't really want to play Villarreal because Unai Emery will beat us. I, you know, it's just, there's a lot oh, of teams Oh, God, imagine that. There's a lot of teams Imagine that. And do you know the dodgy bit of it as well? Is you think some some of them are being played home, some of them are playing played neutral. Yes, well, what happens when we get a neutral game away, but then get to, or, or sorry, we get a neutral game for the home leg, but then away we have to go to the actual stadium? It's like we've got we basically got two away games. I won't be allowed surely. That's what's at the moment. At the moment, that's what's happening with that's what's happening with Liverpool. Apart from now, they've said they might not be able to travel. That was always meant yeah. to be the plan for the Liverpool game. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's wrong. The whole thing's wrong. You, like you said, Alex, um, it should be a... Uh, oh, I mean, I know they can't do it this summer because of the Euros, but I thought the tournament at the end of the season worked quite well last season. The Champions League sort of quarter-finals onwards. The little mini eight-team tournament they had in, um, in weird random countries. Yeah. Well, can you tell me who were the Europa League finalists last year? I know Sevilla because they beat Man United. I couldn't tell you who they played. Oh. Marty Borisov in Milan, I think it was, wasn't it? We just need to we need to go deep in this tournament and win it would be ideal. I I, I don't think we will win it. I think we'll I think we'll come come up short. I fear against one of the English teams uh, in the quarters. Yeah, of I mean, going out to an English team is just going to batter. It's going to really be bad not, for this football club. Not not winning this in in Emery's first season. Not winning it the first season we dropped into it uh, was a massive nail in our coffin. Yeah. So it, it, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not as terrified of Man United as I am of Leicester over two legs. Um, Solskjaer's not got the better of Arteta, and I, I, from the way the games are played, he's starting to realise that Man United have to start kicking us if any, the last game's anything to go by. Um, I'm not. It's the Leicester's, your Spurs stuff. Like that. I just don't want. I don't want him anywhere near us in these knockout games. I just Mourinho knockout game two legs. No thanks. I mean, he's he's he'd be shushing the camera and oh, he, oh, I can't yeah. even think about it. Can, we either win this, already. we either win this, or we just fuck off out of Europe for a year. And it's going to be getting, it's going to get harder and harder to avoid the shit European competitions because they're fucking making another one. Yeah, what is that? It's the seventh place team in the Premier League, isn't it? Or the or the League Cup winner? Sorry, gets to um, gets the League Cup winner. Yeah, gets to get to play in, in this. Such, that's going to be such a detriment on smaller teams and their resources. It's Europa Conference League or something. It's I mean, it even sounds budget, doesn't it? It's just. It's the Ryanair of European football. Yeah, uh, ironically, ironically, it's it's destinations that Ryanair fly to as well. Be playing <laughs> Luton specials. Anyway, yes, we will go through. I think we'll beat them two or three one at home. Uh, at yeah, Athens, I think we'll Athens. get. A, I think it will be routine, but I, uh, as in, I think it will be a, a one nil or a two nil. But I don't think it will be routine. Rather, I think we'll make hard work of it. I don't think I don't think they'll score, but I don't think we're going to produce as much. I reckon it will depend a lot what goes on on Sunday, and that's something I wanted to speak to you guys about very quickly. Uh, sort of get out of the way. So obviously, Man City, known quantity. Matt, you spoke about them a bit earlier. They're 10, 13 points clear at the top of the league at the moment. Um, we know what their full strength team looks like. Aguero is probably back. 
Kevin De Bruyne's probably back. This always seems to happen against us. The, the PEDs kick in in Man City. The Harry, probably, the Harry Kane effect, we'll call it. Yeah, their train rolls on. Um, what team would you like to see start on Sunday and do you think we'll get a result? Um, can I just shock you? I don't care what team we play because we're not winning that game. So might as well rest the entire 11 and go really big on Thursday because if we put out our full team on Sunday just to get swept aside 2 or 3 nil, we're going to look really foolish on Thursday when the players can't run after 60 minutes and we're chasing a goal. So I think we should make a lot of changes. We've got some tough, other tough Premier League. I mean, look, I'm already at the stage, which I think this is the earliest I've ever been at the stage about about not not caring about the Premier League, but we're not getting relegated and we're not getting, I don't even think we're getting top six. So, I mean, yeah. I, I... It doesn't matter if you finish eighth to 12th. It doesn't matter which one of those positions you take up. No, I'm fully prepared for a season next year of no European football. I'm actually sort of looking forward to it. But what it does mean, two things, is first of all, Arteta has got zero, and I mean zero, excuse for not being top four next year. Because yeah. um, because that European tie in the middle, you've got teams all around you that are going to be playing in that competition again next year. Leicester, as an example, no excuse for not being top four. Um, and second of all, I just you know I'm quite looking forward to having some of the mid midweeks back and not having to not having to record Arsenal last night because I had an event and watching it at one am basically. So that's 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 two reasons I'm I'm looking forward to almost not being in Europe. However, I'd like to win the Europa League. So yes, yeah. Uh, Sunday, Sunday's game. I think uh, I think we will play a strong side. Um, I I actually think he'll rest. I think he'll rest Saka. Uh, I don't think he'll start. I also think he probably might rest. Um, Smith Rowe needs a rest. I think Smith Rowe needs a rest. I, I think he'll play Smith Rowe, and I, I think we, we might see Pepe start. I'm pretty sure William William will play some part. He might even start as well. So I, I'm sort of prepared for all that. I think I think he will rest some players because Arteta's he, he's a bit ruthless and I think he knows that Europa League is the is the one I'd like to see David Luiz nowhere near the pitch I'd like I'd like to try something a bit different I'd like to maybe maybe try someone else at right back I just I just don't know who it will be better yeah. than Cedric right and left back well, KT's back now so the competition for right backs back do on. not even risk him on Sunday no, do for Thursday yeah, and but Thomas Partey, I'd like to see back, maybe play a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't mind next next, next Thursday seeing um, Tierney back at left-back and Cedric at right-back. At least get a right-footer back on that right side. I'd be all over that. But as you say, Matt, it doesn't matter. We will lose the game on Sunday. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have little faith. Uh, I think we're going to get pammed, but I think it'll be tight. Um, and I think, as you said earlier... <laughs> Wait, how can you get pammed and it be tight? What's that going to be, like a close 4-0? Is that what, you know, Wenger used to say... Oh, we're a little bit unlucky in the first half and we lost like 6-0. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the first think, one went think, in and then it's just 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 the rest of them would I don't matter. The it's damage limitations was, after yeah. that. <laughs> we're gonna play we're gonna play a little bit handbrake on uh, for the first <laughs> half hour. Um no, I think I think we'll play well and then just let the game slip away from us. There'll probably be some sort of dodgy bar decision in there. Uh David Lewis probably gets sent off. Um which, you know, sometimes is is a bit of a plus. Um, but yeah, I, I'm joking. It's never a plus being down to ten men. Um, yeah, I think we'll we'll probably be the architects of our own demise again on Sunday because we 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 seem to play well in these big games and then let ourselves down rather than get beaten. Yeah. Um, so it'll be tight, but I think we'll we'll lose unfortunately. I have uh, a question for you guys. It is this week's 
Hot topic. Hot topic. I can never. I don't think I'll ever be able to do it that as good as the Alan Partridge clip. Right. Marvel films have contacted another Arsenal podcast um, and asked us to produce our own superhero team and superhero film, but using only Z-list British celebrities. So I'm talking your Bubbles from Big Brother. I'm talking your guy from the Halifax advert. Um, who gives you extra, baby? Um, who have you chosen? What's their superhero name? What's their power? And who's their nemesis? So, Alex, I'm going to come to you first. Oh, well, the one thing the British do do well is a Z-list celebrity. Uh, and, and often the, the best Z-listers are the ones that were probably once upon a time B or C listers, but 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 fall fall very quickly to Z listers. Um, yeah, my Z lister I've gone with today uh, for our hot topic is um, James Arge Argent from Towie in the Anyways Essex. <laughs> <laughs> for for you know for the sort of Fiat Five Hundred Twitter RT uh, and the sort of loose women panel, he's he's kind of a bit of a, a lovable star. You know, poor him, his self inflicted problems. Uh, you know, he he got really fat, got a bit thin again, got really fat again. Uh, kept having cocaine habits which he just couldn't shake just stop buying it it's very easy um but for the rest of us normal people he's he's an overweight greedy ponce who who basically hung out with Gemma Collins and any other slightly less z-lister than him basically for years to stay relevant so um he, so that's my that's my sort of z-lister um his 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 powers are kind of twofold so um firstly one thing i would say particularly about these superheroes and captain marvel uh, sorry, Marvel Comics uh, particularly. These guys are flying around the world. They're beating bad guys, saving the world. But you never see these superheroes eat. They never have a good meal. I don't know how they. I don't know how they sustain themselves. So, so one of the two powers that James R. Argent uh, will will have for the team is he's gonna. He's basically gonna be their ability to eat for the rest of the team. So he's <laughs> he's you know you never see these guys. They're never stopping for a little roadside snack. They're never stopping for sort of ginsters pasty. You know, Ginster's pasties have been keeping the 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 the, the and the truckers of, of the UK fed for years. He he will be the source of sustenance for this for this team basically in nutrition. So that's one of his powers, the ability to eat for many people. And the other sort of is his deadly weapon. Um no bad guy can escape his deadly weapon. His his superpower is the ability to deafen any enemy with his tone-dead, haggard singing. So if anybody's watched the show. Are the only way is Essex, of which I have been, um, I've been almost dragged to watch uh, over the years. His his singing is something in it that's just dull, dull as dishwater and terrible. Evil, evil bad guys taking over the world. Leave it to Captain Cholesterol to deafen the enemy. <laughs> and basically, that's his superpower. So how he looks? Imagine the sort of size of Hulk or Thor. Yeah. But the sort of loud mouth demeanor of kind of Captain America, Captain Cholesterol, James R. Argent. And instead of that Thor's is... hammer, he just has a massive chicken drumstick. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So he he he's put he's he's my he's my third of our our Captain our, our Marvel Comics team. Would would uh, co cocaine be his kryptonite, or would that power him up like or like uh, Popeye spinach? You're right. It's two two parts. I think I think like any like any class A drug, it probably is his kryptonite to start with, but very quickly becomes his enemy. I see. I see. But you know, I, I, I 
I don't think James R. Jargent's enemy is 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 the small white powder. Um, I hopefully no Ofcom complaints, by the way, for this podcast. But I would say his 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 nemesis is actually Mark Wright, who has gone left the show, <laughs> left 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 Captain Cholesterol in Essex, basically, um, gone to America, come back from America, just continued to be a heartthrob for women, married the most beautiful woman on the planet. Uh, and and you know is is interviewing George Clooney and Tom Hanks on his on his radio show. Captain Cholesterol is still hanging out with Gemma Collins. I really like I, I like this is a comic I'd buy because you brought him to life. He's jumping out at the pages um, for me, and I've got to say that is sensational. I want to give you a round of applause for Captain Cholesterol. That's and, like uh, Andy Gray. Sorry, I'm applauding. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll move on to Matt's and then and then mine, and we can vote at the end. So Matt. Who is your superhero? What's his name? What's his power? And who is his nemesis? Okay, so I'm incredibly offended that you said his because mine actually happens to be a female. Okay. Um, come on, we're in 2021. So is it Amber from Love Island. <laughs> it's not, unfortunately. I know you've got a huge, huge thing, but she won't feature in this week's show unless she's yours. Um, the Z list celebrity I've gone for is Daniela Westbrook. Um, oh, most famous choice. for playing Sam Mitchell in EastEnders, obviously. And um, while James R. Jargent might be responsible for sniffing most of the white powder in uh, Essex, she is definitely Hertfordshire's answer to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's probably right at the bottom of the barrel of the Z-listers. Um, and actually, me and Alex were talking a few weeks ago about um, there was this documentary on the BBC about uh, the culture of celebrities and stuff like that. And I'm amazed she didn't feature. You know, it had your Kerry Katonas, your Katie Prices, your Jade Goodies, but Westbrook was nowhere near it. And, oh, yeah, left a sour taste in my mouth, that did. Um, At least you can taste something. She can't, bless her. <laughs> a superpower on that subject would be super sniffing. Um, the ability to inhale substances from incredibly long distances. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, her nostrils would know no radius. That would be, I'm thinking 50, maybe 100 miles. Um, mm-hmm. As soon as it gets imported into this country, it's sniffed. It's, it's done from miles away. It's done anonymously. She would become um, the real super sniffer in, in the UK. Um, her name, superhero name, would either be the alternative to Professor X, which would be Professor Packet, um, or I didn't know whether to go the Black Panther route and go Packet Panther. So I'm undecided. I, I like Professor Packet. Professor okay. Packet is good. Yeah. And I mean, I know you said about an arch nemesis. I think it's quite simple for her, really. Talk to Frank would yeah. be her nemesis. Could I throw a storyline out there for you for season two of the comics for... Um... Daniela Westbrook. Go for it. Here. Um, so let's say she sniffs so much that her nose becomes its own entity. Could her, could, could her nose then become her nemesis? Like the black hole in the universe. <laughs> it's entirely plausible because um, I don't know if anyone has ever ended up on a Google image search of Daniela Westbrook's nose. I, for one, have. Quite and often. Down the years... <laughs> The evolution of it is insane, really. It's um, fascinating. It's kind of beautiful in its own little way um, because she had 
an absolutely incredible nose in the early 2000s, I think maybe before her problem became as bad as it was. And then in the mid 2000s, when she was really at the height of her EastEnders success, I think she was getting two or three centric episodes a week. Um, yeah, it became a became a big problem and her nose started to slowly um, erode away from her face and slowly her septum just disappeared, which was kind of a magic trick in itself. Would you and say, uh, would you say, what, what do you think the lowest point of, of Daniela Westbrook's entire career was? Would you say, A, the point where she was dating, dating a man two years younger than her son? Or, or is it B, the, the infamous, but, but rather watched a few times by many lads groups across the country, uh, her sauna video, to, which was clearly sent to someone else, probably a similar age to her son. If you hear typing um, in the background, that's me desperately trying to find that video because I've not seen it. But I know the video you're on about. My word, you need to, there's, there's, a, there's a little sound clip that goes with it that I think I can probably say word for word. She's just, she's just whispering some sweet nothings to, well, basically every lad's WhatsApp group in the UK. So. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the lowest would have to be, like you said, she. Um, I can't. What was what was his name? The guy she dated. Um, there was more than one. There was. There was. I mean, again, if you've searched Daniela Westbrook, which occasionally has happened, uh, there's 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 websites dedicated to the boyfriends <laughs> and lovers of Daniela Westbrook. Um, avid fan of her Z list, Z list career. <laughs> yeah, she's um she's. I mean, if they they had to make a list below the Z list, I reckon she'd maybe make that. <laughs> Do you, reckon, do you reckon her ex-fellas will have a support group? I think they the, we, probably... the, we, the Westbrook Warriors survivors group. Survivors group, and I think the problem is, is that on WhatsApp you can only add um, 150 people to a to a group <laughs> at once. <laughs> what's what's Daniela's superhero name? Uh, superhero name would be Professor Packet. Professor Packet, that was it. Okay, so I've I've kind of cheated a little, but you'll understand why when I describe their superpower. So I've gone with Gary and Minty from EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> so Gary Gary Hobbs and Minty Peterson, and their, their their superpower is that they can transform and combine into a human motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a uh, a flesh motorcycle, meaning that they don't have wheels. So these. Gary and Minty Pe- Gary Hobbs and Minty Peterson have to carry around. You know those bikes where people take the front wheels off their bikes; they can't be stolen. You just pop them yeah. out. Yeah, they carry a wheel each on their back when they're on patrol, and when they need to transform, they let a pedestrian know, so they transform into the human motorcycle, uh, and then the pedestrian just pops the wheels on for them, and they're off. Right. All the pedestrian needs handy is an Allen key. Right. They're flying. Um, and yeah, and their their superhero name is Road Rash. Um, road rash, yeah, nice. road rash, yeah, it's quite good. Um, their, their nemesis would be Heather Trot from EastEnders. <laughs> I mean, if she got on the on the bike, we're looking at big problems. Exactly, and and the reason the reason that she is the nemesis is because obviously Gary Hobbs ended up leaving with Dawn from EastEnders. Um, yeah. So he done he done very well there. Uh, what was her name again? Dawn Dawn Swan. So Swan, he's left yeah. with Dawn Swan. But obviously, Minty had a thing with a bit of a thing with Dawn as well, and, and Minty blames uh, Heather for, for sort of cop blocking him with Gary's Gary's misses. Um, yeah. But Gary just Gary's, you know, they've they've been out they've been out of it too long. Gary and Minty haven't been friends for a while. They've made up. They just want to be mates again. 
go around being the human motorcycle one last time. One last ride is the tagline of the movie. Am I remembering this wrong, or was Gary once with Little Mo as well? He 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 ferreted he his way through the Slater sisters. He, he went for at least one. Um, and wasn't he was married to Lynn, wasn't he? He was married to Lynn, then he was Little oh, Mo for Lynn. a bit. No, I'm thinking of Lynn. I could just see a, I could just see a black fringe in my head, and that was I was yeah, it was Lynn I was thinking of. Yeah, I'd like to give an honourable mention to what would have been my second choice, which would have been Les Battersby, and his superhero name would have been his superhero name would have been Les Batters You. And <laughs> <laughs> he would have had giant metal hands, <laughs> and that's it. But they're always in the shape of fists. Wow, that team. So you've you've got Captain Cholesterol, Professor Packet, and um, what was the Road name? Rush. Road Rush. Yeah, <laughs> formidable. So, <laughs> Professor Packett. Is Professor Packett disabled like Professor X? Yeah. Okay. She 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 just um uh, the the shape of the wheelchair she travels in is the shape of a nose. <laughs> I was gonna say she could just ride road rash around. Yeah. I mean I think all four I mean I know it's three, but four four people um could kind of combine to really utilize their key strengths well. The universe well, is safe could... in, in their hands, isn't it, really? They could also combine for sure. and be- transform and combine and become their own superhero called Galvatron. <laughs> Don't know what his power is. He was he was a great Decepticon though back in the eighties. But I'm enjoying the EastEnders nostalgia here because what a show mm. it was in the mid two thousands. Yeah, excellent show. I mean, Alex, me and me and you have talked like several times about how good EastEnders used to be, and I mean. I'm constantly just in awe of how good that clip of um, Michael Moon is saying, because while you were sitting around waiting, doing niche, I was out making moves. That is just one of the best quotes of any show in history. I'm not even just talking soaps here. Any show films, everything. I don't think I don't think a month goes past where I don't think about that clip. It's just extraordinary. Inspirational. Inspirational. EastEnders also had the best on-screen bromance in Jim Branning and Patrick Truman. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I uh, would, would want with my, well, whoever my best pal is when I'm 70, 75. Two, two suave old boys. They just want to sit around, have a game of cards, have a game of dominoes. A few cigars. Jim, Jim doesn't like Max. He only likes his other son, Jack. Doesn't want to talk about the kids. Patrick just wants to relax. He's got Denise in his ear all day, back when it was a hotel, trying to balance the books. Yeah, you know he ain't got, he doesn't want that on his plate. He's seventy. He stressed himself further by by yeah. hopping, in, hopping into bed with Yolanda. I mean, that's that was just. I mean, the minute mark. He doesn't need that stress at his age, does he? He just wants to. The minute mark's just a money laundering business for Sam uh, Mitchell's cocaine business empire. Well, I'll tell you, if, if Captain Cholesterol was on the EastEnders set, he would, he would keep them afloat for sure because the Ginsters pasties and McCoy's crisps in that shop, um, well, look, there they would never be enough. I think one day, and, and I'm, not, I'm not joking here, I think one day we probably will see James Argent end up in EastEnders because we've had Danny Dyer now, we've had someone out of blue. Yeah. Um, I Ryan. mean, it's heading that way. I think one day we will have... Um, a, a Towie member joined the cast. I'm, I'm, I'm all here for it. Okay, so who's super, who superhero has won this? I, I really like Professor Packett. I'm not going to lie. I think Professor Packett gets my vote. I, I'm, my vote's going to go to. Um, oh, I can't even remember the name of. Uh, oh, Captain Cholesterol. 
That's good. Um, it's 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 a, it's a three way tie because the 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 mere thought of Gary and Minty combining forces uh, wins for me. <laughs> I've got I've got the motorbike in my head planned out, and it's it's vile because as I say, it's a flesh motorbike. They obviously put it together in the arches as well. Phil Mitchell's going to be questioning what the hell they're doing. Why why these? The arches could become the biggest fortress in in Marvel in that kind of scenario. Like it could be unpenetrable. Yeah. Next, next next time it comes up on screen on EastEnders, I want to hear a narrator go. Meanwhile, at the arches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. That was great chat. And uh, that's the end of that. that's the end of hot topic this week, lads. That was that was excellent. I'm I, I really want to make this film now. To be honest with you. Yes. Agreed. Hot topic. Right, we're coming to the bit of the show now where every week we ask a different person what being an Arsenal fan means to them. Um, so this week it's going to be Alex answering the questions. Alex, you ready? I am ready, far away. Cool. So just a general kind of opener. What does Arsenal mean to you as a fan? Oof. So I've been an Arsenal fan since a very, well, since, 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 since a very young age and having, I grew up... Uh, Grew up in just west of a, a town called Aylesbury, so actually, you know, not being a Londoner, but uh, but being sort of northwest London was, was was naturally naturally kind of where it started. My dad was a, a big Arsenal fan. My my uh, granddad was a big Arsenal fan, and um, they were the first team I heard on the radio. Basically, having won a game four 0 which was which was pretty rare in the mid nineties, to be quite honest. But um, I, I was obsessed with Arsenal at a young age. Absolutely obsessed. Big on stats. Um, you know, I could tell you any stat lived, you know, sort of lived for every game. I think my kind of relationship with Arsenal has changed over the years. I mean, it was it was of an obsessive nature in the mid 2000s, early mid 2000s about Arsenal through to yeah. sort of university and sort of grown up adult life where it, it, it's basically it's basically changed. I moved to London 10 years ago. Islington was the obvious choice, you know, to be because of Arsenal. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've uh, you know, now bought a place which is 250 yards from the stadium so it, it, it kind of shows my sort of dedication and, and how much it means to me that I choose to be so close I mean I think I think for me what Arsenal means to me now it's 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 it kind of it's kind of a strange one because it, it's grown you know as, as growing up into an adult it's become more of an adult hobby for me rather than rather than anything else and I think one of the big things I certainly miss is just is the games themselves. I mean, the, the group that we sort of go to the Emirates with, we've got sort of three or four families across two or three different generations, uh, you know, circa sort of 20, you know, 15 to 20 people every game, you know, big days out, early meetups, food, drink, Sambuca, um, you know, and, and, and kind of a, a great group. So Arsenal has gone from a young age for me for being something I was obsessed by, playing football every week, watching football, through to something now, which is, it's, 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 a, it's something I still love, but love for all the different reasons. I love the hope it gives me. Um, I love the rivalry with, with with other clubs and 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 they your mate your friends and stuff. And one sort of more philosophical thing about not just Arsenal but football, I, I just think it's like no, it's like no other sport. It connects people all over the world. You, you can be, you know, you can be in a taxi in the middle of nowhere. You know, I you know I was in a, in a taxi once in in you know the Far East. In I think I was in. I think it was in Thailand actually. You got in a taxi, and you know you can have a conversation with someone who can barely speak your language, but they'll know the Premier League, they'll know Arsenal, 
and they'll know football. And you know the same thing with with work trips. It's it's you know or, or meeting clients or meeting new people. It's sport is a connector, and football is like no other. And particularly being a big fan of Arsenal, they're quite a popular club around the world. And what I do love about Arsenal, my relationship with them, is that you know people don't, generally people find a reason to sort of be okay with Arsenal, bar the fans in the UK, which obviously hate us, and that's reciprocated. Yeah, that's a good answer. And I think we all miss those match days. Whatever our whatever our routines are, we all miss them. Um, <laughs> we do indeed. So on the subject of routines, all right, you're on a match day. You wake up. It's, I don't know, it's an away game. It's probably 7 or 8 o'clock. It's a home game. It's probably, depending on if it's a 3 p.m. kickoff or a 5.30 kickoff, it's probably... 11 or 12 you're preparing yourself for the day um what are your superstitions for the day do you have any and what are they i don't i, I you know I, I a lot of people have superstitions i don't have any superstitions as such for 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 arsenal when they're playing i mean my superstitions more recently have been we're going to lose we're going to lose we're going to lose anything <laughs> any anything that's that's more than that is uh is is a positive one superstition i'd probably say i do have i never ever bet on arsenal to win um, because it can only end in disaster, basically. Um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because I've said this a lot down the years, and I've always been laughed at, and I've always been told, "Oh, you're not a real fan." Because I've sometimes bet against Arsenal, and someone would say, "No, nah, that that doesn't make you a fan." But actually, it's free money sometimes. I always lose in in the in the days when we were obviously not as bad as we were now, even like 2014, 15, when we were sort of still decent, fairly decent. So. It always ended in me losing the bet, which didn't bother me at all because there is 99.999% of me that would want Arsenal to win. Yeah. I mean, only in the case that if it was an absolute dead rubber and I'd just put 10 quid on 100 to 1 for someone to beat us in the last five minutes, which happened once. I think it was against Swan... Uh, was it Swansea? I can't remember who it was, but we were 1-0 down in mm. the... Uh, we were 1-0 up, sorry, in the 89th minute and we lost 2-1. Um, and I put 10 quid on at 100 to 1 and I won a grand. So I think even in that situation, I didn't even think about the bet until I checked my account later on. There was a grand in there. I'm like, huh? And then I remembered I put the bet on. Um, yeah. So sometimes it became a bit of a bad habit of mine. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I tell you what, I've, I've, I don't do it and I haven't done it. And, and the, the times the times that I have, most recently, actually, I, I did it actually by accident. I'll let you in a little secret. We were playing Leicester at home in one of those seven o'clock Sunday nights uh, in November, November time. And yeah. um, I'd had a, I think I'd had a pretty not bad weekend. I'd lost a few accumulators that weekend. And I thought to myself, do you know what? Arsenal at home Sunday night, we're going to, we're going to beat Leicester. We're going to beat Leicester. We've lost a couple of games. We'll, 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 we'll beat them. And I thought, do you know what? I put pretty, pretty, pretty big bet on us to win uh, because we were pretty good odds and we were playing crap at the time and um, lost obviously one nil. Woke up the next morning fuming, logged onto my account, and for one reason or another, I'd I'd actually bet on Leicester to win rather than Arsenal. And Leicester were four to one, and it was the most uh, Mondays are difficult getting up anyway. But Mondays uh, after Arsenal have lost, seeing that quite a nice sum of money had gone into the account um, based on Arsenal losing, and it was a sign to me: don't bet on Arsenal. Don't even don't attempt to bet on Arsenal. Yeah, um, I mean, like. It doesn't obviously affect the result in any way, shape or form. So I always think of it as just you're basically just predicting what you think is going to happen anyway. Betting on Arsenal to lose doesn't mean that you're not a fan or it doesn't mean like you're worse of anything. But it just means that you kind of predict that we're going to lose. I mean, I haven't done it for a long time now. I haven't done it since um, since last season. Yeah. But 
it's just yeah i don't know there's that feeling when when you do it like oh shit i'm going against my team but then it really doesn't impact it at all so no superstitions really no and the only other superstition or i would say it's a superstition as such more more of a trend I, you know home games i haven't you know i've been a season ticket holder for, for uh, 10 11 11 plus years at arsenal now um i would go as far as saying i've only arrived for kickoff more than Less than five times, I would say, in my entire career of watching it. And I don't, I don't do it on purpose. I'm not one of these people that, that says oh, I'm always going to be late. I just have a massive problem with the amount of time it takes to get into the Emirates Stadium, plus an inability to say no to a pint in Finsbury Park 15 minutes before the game starts. I was going to so, say, you actually go out of the way to get to the pub to then go back to the stadium, don't you? <laughs> so really, what you should be doing, you should be going to Tesco Metro on a Friday night, getting loads of cans in the fridge and drinking at home before. It should and yeah, exactly that. So there we are. No superstitions as such, but cool. Um, we're going to move on to what your favourite kit is last mm. in, in your lifetime. We'll say. Oh, I think just because it was some of some of my earlier memories of Arsenal, both good and bad. I, I it was a, it was a terrible season for us in the end. But the nineteen ninety nine season, the sort of the the kit we wore that season. Um, Dennis Burkamp missing at Villa Park, all of that stuff, missing out in the league. It was actually the year United won the treble and we missed out in the league. Yeah. We went out of the FA Cup. Uh, that kit that season holds a lot of good memories for me because I, I think it's the first kit. I'm pretty sure it's the first kit I got ever in my life. Um, the JVC one with the collar are we talking about here? Yeah, I think it possibly the year after. They, they, they had collars, 97, 98, 99. I'm pretty sure all had collars, but it was the one after the one where we won the double. Um, and yeah. I, I got that with with Burkamp on the back, and it, you know it was. I've got a lot of good memories of that kit. That was our last JVC, and then the next one after that, same kit, but with Dreamcast on the front. I actually had that kit on earlier today. Did you? Um, beautiful kit, yeah. Um, beautiful kit, and it, it's such a shame we didn't win anything in it. But <clears throat> there's a few kits from that era between the first double and the second double that they don't get enough credit. Due to no. the fact we didn't lift a trophy in them, um, that and the UEFA Cup away kit as well. Um, I was going to say it's one that I'm I'm shocked hasn't come up before, and it never really does in a lot of people's favourite kits. That's that's a great choice. It's it's you know it, I think it's a season that most Arsenal fans honestly probably don't want to remember. But for me, it was my you know I, I remember the double season, but I remember becoming really obsessed with Arsenal and really obsessed with football around that 1999 season. I, I really want really wanting us to win the league. And we we beat Villa at home on the last day, 1-0, with a car new goal. But 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 United beat Tottenham 2-1. They, they went 1-0 down. And I think Beckham scored. Um, and I can't remember who else. Maybe, maybe York or Cole scored, scored for them to win 2-1. But it was it was when I really started to get obsessive about Arsenal. I remember listening to Burkamp miss on the radio, uh, miss the penalty on the radio. It was... It was Really fascinating. I mean, the the other the other kind of shout out to a kit was was again a bit of a strange one, but the yellow away kit we wore when we won in the Bernabeu, Thierry Henry, which had that sort of mm. yellow, but there was almost a tint of grey and black in it as well. Yeah, it I, was, I, it I was, was a big, big, big was, fan yeah. of that because again, that that game and that season holds a lot of um, memories for me in the mid two thousands, which I'll which I'll touch on in a minute. I remember um, that that away kit we wore at the Bernabeu that night. Um, my brother had it with Haleb on the back. And um, I think I was, wait, what was that? 2006. So I'd have only been 12 at the time and he was 16. So obviously you can imagine the difference in size. And I just remember like I would wear it sometimes and it would just, it I'd look like one of those real slobs you'd see at the Emirates who just turn up with like a shirt five sizes too big for them, like that comes down to their knees. 
but I was only like 16 at the time. And I just remember that shirt. I, oh, it was beautiful. He, he used to wear that to play um, when we used to train and play for the local football team. He, uh, your brother used to, he used to wear that a lot. And actually when, when training would end with eight aside or whatever against each other, um, some people would be wearing, wearing red. Some people would be wearing United fans of, the, of which there were many uh, being in the home counties. It was, it was the reds plus me versus the yellows and everyone else. And he, he, he was always in yellow. He always used to wear that kit. Leb on the back was always a strange choice, but we'll forgive him for it. Um, we're going to come to your favourite player. Tony Adams, hands down. I play centre-back. I've always been a centre-back. Uh, he is everything I first watched as a centre-back and was, was told by a lot of people, you, you want to be a good centre-back, watch him. Um, he he was he was and it's even now he's, he he's like most of Arsenal's players when they when they retire become a little bit ridiculous a little bit clownish he's he's a bit he's a bit he's gone a bit weird but um he, as a player he was he was just he's just everything that I tried to emulate when I play and it's a bit you know the style of football and the sort of big shouty centre back got the captain's armband on yeah is very sort of outdated now it doesn't exist and and you know I I, I find it hard sometimes because you know the sort of older boys in the group that we, you know, the, the dads and stuff in the group that we go with, oh, you know, we, you don't get Tony Adams, you don't get players like you used to, Tony Adams. John Terry was the last sort of Tony Adams type centre-back. The game's not about that anymore. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, I would love there to still be a place for players like him, you know, but he, would, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't exist, I don't think, at Arsenal now. No, well, for a start, one get one club players don't exist anymore for a start. Um, yeah. I mean, like Lampard and Gerrard, Terry dying out with a large ones of those anyway yeah um, and even obviously those ended up going to the MLS before they retired or whatever but um, yeah I mean Tony Adams I don't think he's as weird now as some of them are I mean there's a few ex-players that really great on me now like Keown Dixon mm. um, even Sol Campbell Sol Campbell sometimes you just think what are you talking about like he's I don't know he's just a few of them have definitely um, are definitely proof that They've headed too many footballs in their time. Yeah, he he, he went he went through a bit of a st- you know I, whatever you think of the Wenger era and, and towards the end of it and stuff when all the ex players were starting to take a pot one by one at him it, you know it, it's Tony Adams was was quite was quite vocal and I think what's quite difficult is that you know such an easy win for Wenger would have been trying to appease some of these people and you know get, you know yeah. getting them back in the club the problem is and we all know this if Arsene Wenger had got Tony Adams back in the club Tony Adams would have been so vocal so mouthy within the club. He'd be privy to information that's probably not trustworthy to him. He'd go and blab quite frequently and he'd come out and say, we're not signing these players because of X, Y, Z. He, he would be too vocal. Which is, I think, why we, he kept Steve Bold at the club so long, because Steve Bold just seemed like that guy who would just sit there and take it, really. Yeah, and, and, not, and not, you know, not blow the secrets that Wenger promised he was going to tell us in his book, but, but didn't, didn't tell any time. So. <laughs> yeah, well, whenever that... Uh, I think there will be a second book one day or maybe like something, some maybe... Um, revealing interview. I got his book for Christmas, so you've all ruined it for me now. Now that I know there's no abuse surviving, you, you you know there's none anyway. <laughs> I want I want I wanted him to talk about like describe in detail what it would look like if Ivan Gazidis committed to Puku. Um, <laughs> Scrap that. I I, w- I want to know all about this the sordid affair he was having with the woman twenty years younger than him. That's that's what I want to know about. He's a philosopher. He's a, he's a lover, Wenger. He could do what he, he was. Wants. He was a proper. He could have wooed, wooed anyone, couldn't he? Yeah, he was a um, classy old, classy old boy. Um, 
so yeah like i said before we're going to take a real somber turn now but it's going to be just for a few minutes so what was your worst memory as an arsenal fan what's my worst memory been do you, do you know there's there's like there's, there's obvious ones that people immediately go to and ask this question yeah. and yeah i think there's the champions league finals and all that stuff i actually think for me it's kind of it's kind of an era rather than a rather than a game or, or you know yeah. a, a physical memory i think um it stems from a game so it's very very specific in 2009 we lost the champions league semi-final to united um we we, we struggled one nil we lost one nil at their place but we thought right back at the emirates it was it was in an era that english teams were dominating the champions league there was three three two three teams in the semis every single year for 2006 through to about 2011 and it was, it was, it was, it, it's sort of to the 2006 to 2009. But basically, the sort of backdrop to this is Arsenal, the Invincibles, 2004 and 2002, we'd won the league. And I think being a sort of teenager, I got pretty complacent about the fact that Arsenal would just be at the top of the league and nearby. And I became yeah. in 2004, 2005, absolutely obsessed with the Champions League. So Premier League games will come and go, and I go, yeah, yeah whatever, we'll win those. Uh, but Champions League was the ones I absolutely craved. Like Bayern Munich in 2005 killed me when we lost when we lost that tie. Really, I looked forward to the second leg for weeks, analysing. You know, could we beat them two 0 Could we get through? Could we keep the clean sheet? The 2006 run, I was fascinated with every single game. I was stressed out. I actually had a migraine on on the, the night of the Villarreal away tie. I actually couldn't watch the game. I was migraine. I was so stressed by it. Um, so we had all this era where we were still good enough. We were still in the Champions League every year. The Premier League started to slip away from us. But that Manchester United semi-final in 2009 was when I realised that we were just miles behind United. Absolutely miles behind United, which really pained me because 2004, we were best in them. 05 and 06, you sort of had the, the Mourinho and Chelsea era. They were coming good and United had fallen away. But United then sort of clawed it back. They won three league titles in a row. And I thought, we've got to win the Champions League. We've got to do it while, while we're here. And that 2009 semis, it was, it was back at the Emirates and we lost 3-1 and Ronaldo and Rooney tore us apart. And I mean, was, Ronaldo, Rooney and Tevez should have been yeah. illegal. That is just a joke. It was, it was honestly, they had kicked on so... That, and when you think we had started up front, we started with Adebayor and... Uh, it would have been... I know, Van was it even Persie. Adebayor? Had he left? No, it was Van Persie. It was probably Van Persie uh, and uh, it would have been the likes of... Uh, it was after Baptista, but it was the same season as Baptista. I mean, it doesn't help that even the the old season reviews of those um, seasons. It doesn't help that that season review is literally titled entitled the Young Guns. Yeah, because we were just a, a team. We were a rebuild. The football, the football we were playing was unbelievable. But, but that that memory, I remember it. I was at university, and I remember going down to the the Yates in Portsmouth, and I remember sitting with all the all the, all the pals, and you know, got there four hours before the you know it was. Was 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 just fascinated by it, and and they came and blew us away, and it was it was it was honestly that that was then I realised, oh, shit, shit, Manchester United have really responded to this Mourinho and Chelsea thing. We are miles behind. We've moved to this bloody gorgeous new stadium. Just just it was it was it was that that for me that era was quite a bad memory because then what followed was was even more painful. And actually, I, I started you know two thousand and nine. It hurt me by two thousand and eleven, two thousand and twelve, losing that. League Cup final and 2012, you know, going out that that was low. Bradford and Blackburn being knocked out of the cups by those guys. Yeah. I mean, we were so desperate for a trophy, and then losing to bloody like Bradford in the League Cup and Blackburn in the League below in the FA Cup. I mean, it, it was for me, it's not a bad memory as such. It's the laughing stock we then became after that I could, I could, I could almost laugh with with everyone else. But it was, it was, 
it was the pain of 2009 that when I when I really really cared about it and it was it was more sort of it's 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 a, it's a memory of an era that was sort of an end of a good era really that that's my worst memory yeah I think um one of the big problems I'm not I'm, I am only joking when I say this that I say this is the reason we lost um is that the players walked out to daylight rather than the the night I think if you if the players walk out and it's night and you've got that you know that feeling at a night game under the lights when it's like, wow, yeah. this is Champions League and like the, the anthem starts to play. If the anthem's playing and it's daylight, just doesn't hit the same. It feels like you're playing in 5.30 away in Russia. No, I really like those dusky sort of, <clears throat> the sun's no. about to set, the, the, the song starts playing and it becomes night during the game. Yeah, I think it's only because of the memories I've got associated with it. I probably don't like it, but... As I said, I crave Arsenal to be in, in the Champions League playing playing a match which starts in the light. I mean, that's that's something we can aspire to, to have again. I <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't give a shit if we were cooking off at two o'clock on a Thursday afternoon, as long as it was in the Champions League, to be honest. <laughs> Just on that... Just on that, miss that competition. Man United-Arsenal game. Yeah. The team we started that day... Bakary Sanya, Colo Torre, so solid. Two great defenders. Mm. Johan Juru, at the time we didn't realise he was shit. That's fine. Kieran Gibbs, um, not a bad back. Kieran four. Gibbs is a bit of a what could have been, really, isn't he? Kieran Gibbs never let himself down for Arsenal. I was gutted when he was sold because I didn't think he had to be sold. I would have rather have kept Kieran Gibbs up to this point, and I know he's you know at West Brom now and they're not doing great. I would have rather have kept Kieran Gibbs than given Saad Kalazanac. The best part of 120 grand a week for four years yeah um but that that team and this is the most frustrating thing about that arsenal team they were consistently let down by a string of shit goalkeepers Armunia yeah. getting ripped from the right side of the pitch about 35 yards out by yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. You, you, can't, you can't even make any excuse it's for that that was the worst piece of goalkeeping the emirates had ever seen fabregas song nasri against anderson carrick darren fletcher Mm. There's a midfield battle that Arsenal can win there. Their front three was Parchi, Sung, Rooney, and Ronaldo. We had Walcott, Adebayo, or Van Persie. That yeah. is, and I mean that, that, is... that wasn't even a peak Van Persie. That was a Van Persie who'd only been at Arsenal two and a half years, and he wasn't anywhere near what he became. That was a number, of 2010, was number 11. eleven, number eleven Van Persie, baby Van Persie. Yeah, yeah. I that's mean, a, he was even number eleven to be fair that's... when we played Barcelona, wasn't he? I was watching the highlights of that two-one against Barcelona the other day, and Van Persie was still wearing eleven in that. So I think he only got it the season after the season we made him captain. Yeah, no, yeah. he got it in 2010-2011. We played Barca two years on the trot. It might have been the other one. They, we played him. Oh game. yeah, it might have been the one where Fabregas broke his foot taking the penalty. Two all, wasn't it? Yeah. Who does that? Who who does that? An Arsenal player, an Arsenal captain. That's who does it. Yeah, it's Snake. probably the most Snake. awesome thing you can get. Right, off the bad memories. We're getting that in the bin. We're not thinking about that anymore. What's your best memory? Again, doesn't have to be a memory, can be an era. What's your what's what's sticking in your head? Uh I think I, I sort of semi touched on it. I mean 2004 was was, was immense, but I I'm not disregarding what happened then because um, most other fans do that for us. But I but I think yeah. the you know, I remember being at school where all people seemed to care about was the Champions League, and I've kind of touched on that. So I, I'm not going to go back to that here. I, I think, you know, I, I know it's, it was a, it was, it's a big memory for you, Matt, as well, but I actually think the whole final for me, um, partly because of, because, you know, growing up, being there, you know, I, I touched on the group we go with earlier. One of the sort of dads, the, the godfather of the group, I would say, he's, he's got 
loads of contacts within Arsenal. He knows knows the club chef and all that stuff. And he 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 um for, for days at Wembley, if, if for anybody that doesn't get tickets through the ballot, he he manages to to whip up twenty tickets for all for all of us. It's it's like black magic. I don't, I don't know how it happens, but but basically the days at Wembley have always been immense because of the amount of us that go and we all sort of, it, it feels quite nice in the stadium having all of you sort of dotted around and all hooking up yeah. afterwards, usually after we've won. Was it the, um, was it the Wigan semi-final we met up with at half-time? We met, yes. Yeah, yeah it was well, the Wigan semi-final that year, wasn't it? Yeah, that year. So Wigan semi-final. And, you know, I just think the thing was, we hadn't obviously won a trophy since 2005 and it was, it was starting to really niggle on us. So the, the sort of, you know, I, I think I think about this right. The 2006, the Champions League final. 2007, we were in the Carling Cup final. 2008, we had Liverpool in the Champions League, which was which was like the daylight, absolute daylight robbery that was for the dive yeah. for the penalty. You know, Eduardo in the league that year, we should have won the league. The semi-finals, 2009, in the FA Cup and the Champions League, we got knocked out of in the semi-finals. You know, the, the League Cup 2011 debacle, 2012, I've touched on. It was just every year. Actually, Arsenal, Arsenal were getting to finals and semi-finals. It, it was, it's not a myth that we didn't have the opportunity to win trophies. We, we were in finals and we were in, you know, the opportunity to win stuff every single We were season. kind of in that period Tottenham are in now where they get to the semis and the finals, but they just bottle it. Yeah. So that, so that hull was such a relief. And I just think everything about it, you know, we, 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 I think Liverpool got knocked out by hull. I think, I don't think I've got that right. Was it Aston Villa, not Liverpool? Whatever happened was, we had beaten all these big teams on the way. We'd beaten, uh, we'd beaten Everton, we'd beaten Tottenham, we'd beaten Liverpool on the way. And we got to the semi-finals and we looked and I think there was, we beat Wigan and we thought we'd play Hull or I think, I think Hull beat Liverpool. I don't know who they beat. No, it wasn't. It was Hull against, it was, no, it was someone really shit. It was someone awful. Sheffield oh, I, Wednesday. I, was it? Okay. Or um, Sheffield United, one of the two. But in any, in any case, it gets to the final and you thought, do you know, it, I don't think any Arsenal fan was going in thinking we've won this, but it was it oh, was very it was, it was very much a sort of we, we we have won this, haven't we? It's Hull. They're going down this season. I'm pretty sure they're going down. You know, we've won this, haven't we? And to go two 0 down, come back three two the way we did, you know, it was it was the first sort of big final. Like you know, it was the first big final we'd obviously won in a long time. But it was just it was a big culture just, change for that next few seasons as well to know we could win a final. It was the monkey off the back as well, and, you know. And again, I know you've said we've spoken about it before, Matt. But you know, people dismiss the FA Cup, and it really, really pisses me off because it's yeah. this sort of greed of football fans now, and greed of people generally that off oh, Champions League's all that matters, Premier League's all that matters. But you no, know, the Premier League is is two teams can win it at the moment. Uh, the Champions League, none of the English teams, bar City, can win the Champions League this season. Liverpool maybe, but City are the only ones capable of doing winning winning that. So you've got yeah. you've got the FA Cup or the League Cup, and the League Cup is whatever you think of it, it's 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 still a trophy. It's nonsense. I, I, it's absolute nonsense. Is... And, I'll, and I'll say this just while we're on the subject of the League Cup, this is going to sound like the biggest sour grapes ever, and it probably is. But the fact Spurs are in a League Cup final after playing two hundred and seventy minutes of football makes me sick. Yeah. Well, this, one of them this, against this, Brentford and one of them against um, another championship team, I think it was. Yeah, I think I think the, the, the big thing for me that that was it was just a great day. It was you know we beat big teams together. All of the FA Cups we've won, you know, the last seven eight years uh, you know, of, of this new era, we have beaten big teams along the way. Not one, we've beaten two or three big teams. Tough games. The, the one we the one we've just won. I mean Chelsea and. In the final, City, Sheffield well, United City and away. Chelsea again, just like it was in 2017. Yeah, we beat City in the semi and Chelsea in the final then as well. You know, we beat United away in 2015, um, 2014. We 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 beat Tottenham, Spurs, Everton, all on the way. So I'd say 2014 just pips 2017 as a memory for me. 
Uh, Chelsea, I, I had not hope in hell. They were they were unstoppable that year. I didn't think we'd win. Um, Wembley had you know Wembley had gone from a place of misery in 09 and 2011 to a place of joy. We won nine games on the trot. That I just thought. The Chelsea game is going to be a step too far, but the Hull for me is 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 one of my best memories. Yeah, it was um, oh, such a good day. I, it was, I love that cup run. I love 2014 cup run. I one of my favourite days of that cup run as well was Everton at home. I think that was a great day. It was on my birthday. I remember that. That was yeah. that was. It was just a brilliant. Yeah, I think it was like it was a Saturday lunchtime. I think it was, and I, I'd been on a heavy night on the Friday night, and I was thinking, do not like. Do not do an Arsenal here today. This is our chance to win a trophy now. We weren't playing well at that point. I remember being really apprehensive. I went to every game. We'd lost 6-3 at City. We'd lost 5-1 at Liverpool. Mm. Uh, I think we were just about to lose 6-0 at Chelsea. Uh, we were in a bad... That was a bad season for us to we were, we were, we were At the time, we were starting to take pumpings. We, we, I think we got battered by Everton 4-0 or 3-0 that season as well. Yeah, we did. 3-0, yeah. Let's go back to the best memories. No, No losses, no losses. Yeah. <laughs> well thank you for answering those Alex that was good to uh, delve into your mind see what was uh, see what's in there I like those answers yeah not a problem and I think that brings us to the end of the podcast it does it does thank you very much for listening uh, Matt thank you very much again for uh, setting up and editing the show and putting together our agenda Alex it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you this evening and getting to know you and getting to know a bit more about how, what Arsenal means to you and how being an Arsenal fan has changed your life, really. Um, we'll be back again on Monday to dissect the Man City win. Um, I'm joking. We're going we're gonna to get panned. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And uh, bye from myself and Matt. Thanks, and guys. Goodbye from Alex. See you Thanks, soon. Alex. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of another Arsenal podcast. Feel free to keep up to date with what the boys are up to by following us on Twitter at another Arsenal pod, our Instagram at another AFC pod, or you can email us with anything you'd like to be included in next week's show by emailing another AFC pod at gmail.com.